All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Rolling through a lovely Thursday afternoon. How are you? Jason Greger, Connor Halley, Terry Ryan with us. On the Gregor Show, presented by PlayAlberta.ca on Sports 1440, which on Sunday, we have a massive improvement to our station as a sports station because we'll have much more sports talk 24-7 on the weekends and from 9 p.m. until 6 p.m. the next day. Right, there'll only be three hours Monday to Friday that is not sports talk. It's pretty sweet, so I like that. It's very good. So uh, we are officially your uh, your sports leader come Sunday because uh, well, right now nobody has more sports than us in our eleven hours a day, but uh, that'll jump up uh, twenty one out of uh, twenty four on weekdays and twenty four out of twenty four on weekends. So you'll love it. Yeah, you know what? Uh, if you're a football fan, basketball fan, baseball fan, and don't worry, uh, Jason Smith, uh, who hosts the uh, the weekday night show, he's a huge hockey guy. He's actually going to join us on the show on uh, Friday, so don't you worry. You will uh, you'll have some hockey talk from uh, from Jason Smith as well. So we did get uh, lots of text uh, coming in on. <laughs> I knew it. I knew that if we uh, if we asked the audience, uh, there would be people out there that would be able to uh, share with us their. Um, their experiences from people quitting it's uh it's actually uh rather uh rather comedic to say the least so we'll, we'll get to uh to some of those uh today uh looking forward to that um also uh coming up uh later on on the show uh spec will be by we are uh going around the nhl and uh and uh and much more so looking uh looking forward to that um let's go first uh to some of the uh the texts hey guys 
Funniest thing I ever saw was a guy quit his job at McDonald's, told his customer how unhealthy the food was, took the patty out of the bun and threw it against the wall from uh, Jason. <laughs> yeah, why would you do that? Right? Like, it's a very odd one to me, but uh, I guess, uh, you know. <laughs> the patty at the wall is odd, yeah. Yeah, you're, you're kind of going out in glory. Um, hey, guys, my buddy was a server and hated his job. We went to have a few beers and he gave us a picture after picture without charging. After his boss caught on, he got canned. He stopped working and then joined us for beers. Geo. <laughs> See, they're like, now you're just, you're ripping off the owner of your own company. Why? Just quit. Right? Yeah, because people think when it's like a restaurant or something, it won't come back to bite them is why. Because yeah. it's not like a government job or it's not like what they use their degree to get. So it won't come back to bite them. But what often happens is that oh. the worlds collide and it does come back. It's just bad karma. Oh, yeah. 100%. I've never, yeah, I've never really understood why you would, uh, uh, you'd want to do that. It doesn't make uh, a huge uh, amount of sense to me. Um, hey, guys, one of our, uh, a buddy I know, well, I guess I shouldn't say buddy, a coworker of ours uh, really needed to get fired so he stripped down and streaked across the showroom floor. Steve. <laughs> now, if you do Wicked. something like if you do something like that, could you just get fired with cause and then you don't even then you don't even qualify for your uh f- you know to get paid out? Right? Like I would well, assume I don't you need to risk a criminal charge. Yeah, Anytime well, you yeah, anytime you, you that'd be indecent exposure, street, right? Yeah. yeah I mean, hey, you know what? I'm going to quit here, so I'm going to tack on an indecent exposure charge to it. It really went out in a blaze of glory there. <laughs> yeah, I'll make sure I never get any job. How about that? So take that. I'll never work again. Yeah. Hey, guys, what do you think of getting uh, rid of the blue lines? So you're saying there's no offside? Yeah, I don't think so. It's funny. Sidney Crosby, actually, I don't know if you, Crosby's the one who'd like to see the red line put back in the game because he thinks it would, you know, it would lead to more accurate passing. Um, right now, you know what? You see guys and they, you know what? There's no red line there. And so there's that one touch and they, they dump it in all the time. Like you stand on your side of center and you just put your stick on it and deflect it over and it's not icing. I hate that play. But, um, because you're standing right at center and don't really love it. Um, that's an interesting one. Would, do you think putting the red line back in would be a good thing for the game? From this perspective, for me as a winger coming out of my zone, what I found when the red line was taken away is that there's a few different iterations of what I'm going to say, but let's say a guy like Alexander Ovechkin, who I never played against, but I'm trying to create imagery for you. So he's say he's on the other side, say breaking out. He's on his, he shoots right. I shoot left. Say he's coming out of the zone. And he doesn't get a pass, but he's breaking for it. And he can like kind of go for it. So he can be in full speed and pass the red line and be waiting for it. And if it doesn't come, he like circles around. He's still got that speed. And if I get it with my head coming down the other way, there's just more of that. And, and then I get smoked. I found like more, High, intense, high-speed, open ice chaos. That's, for for different reasons, that's the easiest way I can put it. But as a winger coming out of my zone, and the game sped up when that happened, right? Now, it also happened when they took out a lot of the hooking and holding and, like, skiing and stuff. Remember, used to, part of being a good defensive forward was holding up your guy so he didn't get in the corner and hit your D. When you took all of that out, that's at the same time. To me, it was just like better keep my head up here because now the hits go from like fairly hard to like everybody's Scott Stevens. <laughs> yeah, no, that's fair. Um, it it's one where I'm like, hmm. Like now, maybe, I, admittedly, I like offense more, 
Uh, and you know what? The, the early 2000s sucked. You know, like there's barely any goals. Uh, you know, you had you came out of the lockout and there was offense because they actually called the rule book. They're like, hey, we got this rule book. We're going to actually enforce the rules. And then they went away from it. And, you know, the last few years, they, they seemingly are like, oh, you know what? We're going to call the rule book. Also, uh, teams have better power plays now, so they make you pay more. And so even though teams know this, the officials are still calling the rules because the game's fast. Guys are quick. It's You, you know what? You, yeah. you move six inches the wrong way. Now you're out of position, and you naturally you want to stick and hook and hold. And so I understand it. I have no problem with it. It's not like there was an yeah. endless parade of penalties. But to me, I don't need to slow the game down or somehow reduce offense just to see what the game would be like with the red line back in. So that's my hesitation. I don't, I don't see the need to go backwards because I'm not sure putting them in the red line will, will automatically lead to way more offense moving forward. And not just offense, because to me, way more offense comes with way more scoring chances. You don't have one without the other. And yeah, I, I don't necessarily, I, I guess I gave you the negative as I see it as a player, but I, I, I think the game got faster and it was nice. Like the fans, it's nice to see people wheeling around. I mean, the, the pass Carlson made years ago, was it Duchesne, was it? I can't remember. Carlson from behind his net, he saucered above everybody to the far blue line. It was one of the nicest plays in the modern NHL, I think. Plays like that. Now, of course, people are always going to go, well, what if Lemieux played and Gretzky with no red line? Well, I guess they would have scored more. But, like, things change. I really respect Sid's point of view. I know where he's coming from. It's just one of those things. There's two sides of that. I can totally see both sides, but I do prefer you know, watching the game with, with, with some speed, you know, going through the neutral zone. You got to adapt, right? That's it. I didn't like it. I didn't love it as a winger coming out, but okay. survival of the fittest. It's, yeah. it's a fast game. Oh, it's a ridiculously fast game. And you know what? now faster doesn't always necessarily mean better, right? I don't know if today's players think the game infinitely better than players did before. I'm not, I'm not sold on that at all. Uh, the game is quicker. You got to be able to skate. There's no, there's no doubt about that. And, but, you know, there's lots of guys that can skate really fast, but don't necessarily have the ability to score when they're, when they create space or chances. So, you know, we can equate that. Yeah. Geez, there's more scoring chances. Sure. But, you know, are there more goals? Now the goalies obviously are, are pretty good now. Um, they, I don't know if the, the goalies, are they more athletic than the goalies in the nineties and before? I'm not sold. I think they, they have been giving better goaltending instructions where you play the odds and when you go down in a butterfly and now you cover up the bottom of the net, right? The only place to go is up high. Now the shooters are getting better and they're catching up because they actually have skills coaches now, right? For a decade, Terry, there was basically goalies had their own coach and forwards and defensemen didn't really have their own skills coach. Now lots of forwards and defensemen have skills coaches and they work on it. If you give them three inches, you've got guys who will hit that three inch spot 90% of the time. So so now it's harder, and I'm curious to see if the goaltenders in the next five years, if we see an adjustment back to like a, a kind of like a hybrid where we might see them stand up a little bit rather than always going down. Because when you go down early, now guys just beat you over the shoulder. Game's always changing. I agree. And, uh, yeah, it's a combination of things. Goalies is one of the biggest differences. Side note, when people say, well, Gretzky was shooting on those goalies and Lemieux, you know, so no wonder. I'm like, well, everybody wasn't doing it, though. Thank yes, you. Yes, the points might have been in play, but everybody wasn't doing it. That's what I love about, you know, these guys won the scoring every year for 16 years, I believe. And if you throw Jagger in every year for 19 years or something, that kind of consistency. I keep bringing it up, but it blows me away. Now, I, I would – there's one thing – Again, in a hypothetical world, if I could see Gretzky playing without that red line, because I'm telling you, 
I, am I the only one that thinks he's way faster than than people think? He was a bullet, man. Ever see that goal against Vernon, that, that shorthanded goal yeah. that he streaked down the wind? He goes from, like, nothing to top gear. And, it, you know, the way he was so smart and with the red line and with the hooking and holding, he could manipulate around that. He almost used all that to his advantage. But really, I would like to see it. I think he was way faster than people think. And he always puts himself down. Oh, I wasn't good on breakaways. I wasn't fast. I, well, you had to be something. I, I, I love it. I love your humility. But you had to be something, Wayne. Right? And when I watch you out there, you can go watch those classic games. Like, he's going faster than everybody else. It's it's part of the equation, whether we like it or not. Yeah. Well, you rarely saw him get caught from behind on a breakaway. So if he wasn't that fast, it was fast enough, right? Like, yeah, sure. he's awkward looking, but yeah. fast. Yeah, he wasn't Paul Coffey fast or or Mark Messi, who was incredibly powerful, right? And guys like that, so totally understandable. But he was quick in short areas, and to me, he was fast when he needed to be fast. That's the one thing I found yeah. from Gretzky, right? All of us, oh, do I have a chance for a breakaway? No one's catching me, right? Like he knew yeah. when to be fast. He certainly did, and uh, my favorite is watching Gretz with no when the when someone would pull the goalie, the opposition. Like he knew exactly, his eyes were big as beach balls. He knew exactly where that puck was, and it always came to him. And hence, hey, he was breaking away in my mind that fifty and thirty nine wasn't that final goal an example of that? Didn't he break away from a guy and he's got it and like he's just he protects it and he's skating and he's being hooked and held, but it doesn't matter. He throws it in for that. Final goal, you know, it's just, uh, well, I could talk about Gretz all day to an Edmonton station being a childhood hero. Honestly, transcended hockey. Did you ever meet, have you ever met Wayne? Yeah, we had, first of all, we had the same agent, um, Mike Barnett. Okay. And my, my draft even was in, I met him a few times. I don't know that he'd remember it, but the draft was in Edmonton and they had like a lot of those guys come back. Yeah. And my, I remember myself, Damon Lankow and Sheldon Surrey. Say we were we were at the Crown Plaza, I think it was called, and um, I don't know what we we were say on floor seven, and they were on twelve or something. I don't really recall, but I know that Mike was like, "I want to go up and meet Wayne or whatever it was." We just like went up for a minute, and they were there playing cards, and it was I, I believe like Paul Coffey and Anderson and guys like that, the boys on the bus. So it was mesmerizing, uh, and then. I played an exhibition game in his last year. He had a hat trick. I fought Todd Harvey, both on YouTube. It was a great highlight for me. Um, and it really was. I mean, you know, I didn't get to score up there. Actually, an exhibition, a couple. But but this was a good fight. Harvey came in to me, and he said, Hey, kid, my parents are from uh, uh, Newfoundland. and You want to go? Just like that. In other words, hey, we got something common. And sure, and I needed it. Same thing. Yeah, and we, we went there. Former Oiler. He went on the playoff run with him, Harvey. Yeah. Um, and and we had a great fight. And then after the game, I I actually I had my best friend in the world there, Jeremy Charles, who's now a world-renowned chef. He just moved to Montreal to get started. And a buddy of mine, Curtis Baggs. And Curtis was going to Acadia. He was one of my best friends, and he loved Gretzky, and it was Gretzky's last year. And when I found out I was playing, I called Curtis. I said, step on a plane. I, well, I didn't waste money a lot, but I bought him a plane ticket, got him a ticket to the game. And after the game, me, Curtis, and Jeremy were sitting there, like standing I was waiting for someone on the other team. Maybe, I don't know. It was Yeah, Mark Savard, I think. We'd gone to Brainerd together, uh, Minnesota, and trained. I knew Mark. It, you know, it was great after NHL games when there's guy. I used to milk it for all it was worth. Wait for everybody to come out. Look, these are the Rangers. These are the Canadians. Because when we step outside, you know, we're from Mount Pearl, and I'm going to go over and have a beer in the corner. No one's going to know who I am. So, you know, Ed, when you're that age, 19. But Gretzky came right out, and he saw. I used to go around with a little Kodak camera. That's why I got so many of these old pictures. Yeah. People would laugh at me, and I'm like, look, now there's cell phones. Everybody got them. But I had this little Kodak picture, like disposable, and Wayne came over. 
And he said, hey, Terry, is it? I went, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he said, well, you're doing real well. I'm going to tell Mike you're doing real well. He goes, do you want a picture? Like, he was aware of his greatness without being in my face, in anybody's face. He was yeah. just like, before you ask, you want a picture? Sure. And we got four of us in a row, and it's still at home. Centerpiece of my uh, wall of fame of sorts in my dad's basement. Oh, I love it. Uh, we'll find out our next guest if you have a picture with him. He's pretty popular. He'll join us next on the Jason Greger Show on Edmonton Sports Authority, Sports 1440. Rolling through a lovely Thursday afternoon. Jason Greger, Terry Ryan with you as it's time to go around the NHL. Brought to you by McDonald's. Enjoy your choice of a sausage or chicken McMuffin with a hash brown and a coffee for only five bucks right now at McDonald's as we go around the NHL. Um, pretty good friend of uh, TR's, good friend of the show. Um, has done, uh, you know, has made a lot of appearances in Edmonton, uh, playing in the, uh, in the pro-ams and, uh, fairly popular guy, uh, online. Uh, he was somebody for years who, uh, who never hid his opinion on the, uh, former head coach of the Columbus Blue Jackets, stating numerous times that, eh, didn't think he was that good of a guy. Well, turns out, uh, he was pretty accurate. Uh, Mike Commodore joins us. Uh, Kami, welcome back to the show, my man. How you doing? Hey, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Coach of the Columbus Blue Jackets that didn't even make it to camp. <laughs> <laughs> hey, before we get into that, um, did, did you ever carry around a, 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 a camera like uh, TR did at camp and take photos of guys? And uh, do you have like a collection of certain pictures that are very meaningful to you from your time in the show? You know what? I, I I heard Terry talking about that. I never did. I wish I did. I laughed at the Kodak thing. I did have the last time I had a Kodak. I had one for a while. I didn't take it on the ice or anything. And then I lost it for, I don't know how long. I mean, I've moved around so many times. Things get lost. And I saw it the other day and I haven't got it developed, but I don't even know if you can get that stuff developed anymore. <laughs> I don't either. No, I, I should have though. That's a great what's story, there, Terry. Yeah. You really should. I can't remember it. You're right. Hey, nice to chat finally too, Kami. I know. Hey, we should have uh, we should have met up there two summers ago. I'm, look, I don't want to act like Babcock and blame other people, but the fact we didn't meet up that was Dan's fault. I was on Dan's program. He was hauling me around town, and then after, I mean, you know how it is. I had the time of my life. Just side note, it was great. Um, but I, man, I tell you what, that was an experience and. Once the sun started going down, things got started getting a little foggy for me there. Uh, but it's what a, a great time. It's a spicy time of year. Big Bert was oh. over again this year. Yeah, we had a good time. I'll, I'll catch yeah, you next he, time, I'm sure. Yes, definitely. So, Mike, um, well, let's just talk about it quickly for you. Like, I found it interesting how it was almost like people were offended that you, you said, hey, you know what, uh, this is who Mike Babcock is. Now, you guys might not like how I'm presenting it, but this is who he is. I have lots of experience personally. I know lots of other guys that, you know, he just doesn't treat people very well. They're like, oh, yeah, whatever. And so – was like, did you did you pop champagne? Like, what did it mean to you when it when it finally came out? You know, when when Paul Bissonnette, you know, put the story out there, and uh, you know, obviously it came to fruition that uh, you know clearly Babcock didn't change who he was. Yeah, you know what? For me, this has been like, I'll be brutally honest. The last seven or eight years, ever since I started going after him, like I can't say that like I've had fun doing it, like. My Twitter mentions are just a catastrophe, especially when he was in Toronto. 
it was like it wasn't like I was like super enjoying it, but I mean, I, I was you know I had my experiences with them, which weren't even that many. But to be honest, I ended up kind of I didn't see how far this was going to go, but you know I ended up speaking for a lot of guys that didn't want to have their name out there, and I'm like, man, I got to keep this going. And you know there was a little vindication with the Toronto thing, and um, yeah, you know what I mean with this Columbus stuff. Long story short. I had heard about a little bit of what was going on on August 5th and I had tweets ready to rock. And I'm like, the last second, I'm like, you know what? I'm like, I don't know if I should come firing out with this. Like I'm viewed online because of the last seven, eight years and the career that I had that it's like, here's this plug defenseman that sour grapes because Babs scratched them. And this guy just has a vendetta out for Babs. So nobody really, I don't think that many people, at least people that don't don't know me, were like taking me seriously. So I didn't say anything, but I will say I woke up on that Tuesday morning when Biz came out with that podcast and in my phone, I'm like, why do I have 60 messages on my phone? And I looked at it and it was like, did you see this? Did you see this from all kinds of people? And when I saw what he said, it was exactly what I knew. And I was like, oh my God, here we go. And when I saw, you know, there was pushback from, the Blue Jackets and from Babcock. And there was some pushback behind the scenes from the NHLPA. And when I saw Biz like doubling and tripling down, I was literally fist pumping in here. Cause I'm like, this is on now. Like Biz has got his reputation. He's got through that podcast reputation, which is a big deal. Like he's not backing down. It's time for me to pile on. So I was happy to pile on. Um, and I'm thankful for Biz. Like, like I said, I mean, obviously I'm happy, but there's a lot of people in the hockey world yeah. that are thrilled, thrilled that this guy is gone. Justice, I mean, this guy, you know, to keep the language PG, this guy's been a terrible person for 30 years. And he's either been lied for, covered for, he's been pumped up. Sure, he's had some, some, some success. Like Mike Babcock can run a practice. And Mike Babcock knows hockey. As much as I'd like to trash him on everything, and that would I wouldn't be honest if I if I did that. He knows he can run a great practice, and he knows hockey. But other than that, he is an awful human being who treats people terribly. This was a long time coming, and justice was served. Mike, Mike Commodore uh, joins us. Go ahead, Tr. Okay, I want to know this, Kami. So I had a guy like that. I had Michelle Terrian, and I, I had an equally okay. rough. I had an equally rough, rough time with him. Um, yeah. And I just didn't like the guy at all. I mean, years later, I, he hasn't surfaced as much, and I totally forgive him. It was a long time ago, like, I guess. But anyway, so just an example. So I, it's like my seventh or eighth game in the A. He was in the AHL coaching me. And he called me in for a meeting, and he says, sit down, sit down, sit down. So I sit down. He opens his pop, Coca-Cola, and he lights up a dart. And he just has the dart, and he, he starts staring at me yeah. like a minute goes by. And then I'm like, Okay, he's not going to say anything, so I'm just going to stare right into his eyes, which is awkward, even if I stare into my daughter's eyes. Like, it's awkward to stare in for like five. So I just looked at him directly, tried not to blink. Sure, I did. Yeah. And he finishes the dart. He says, okay, get the F out of my room. And I'm like, weird. There was just a weird tactic. Weird. I went back in. It was just an example of some of the weird head games that were, you know, you just wanted some power over you. Again, he could have changed. I don't really know at this point. I don't care. I'm alive. I'm happy. But yeah. my question to you, is that if I had known that, it would have been hard for me ever again to sign 
with a team that he was coaching, why did you go to Detroit? I'm looking like at your numbers. I've always known you're a good player. You had a good reputation. You, I'm, I'm sure you must have had other offers. No. Wow. So th- this is the reason. Like, you know, my my experience. Thankfully for me, my experiences with Babs are few and far between. And look, I understand. Everybody has coaches they don't like. Everybody gets screwed over by coaches. If you play long enough, it's coming. Other than maybe for guys like Nick Lindstrom or whatever, <laughs> it's coming. I understand that. I understand careers. Every Unless you're Nick Lindstrom, you know, your career, chances are, is going to end quicker than you'd like. Like, I totally get that. Uh, for me, you know, I had a run-in with him early after my, or after my second year pro. Didn't go well, to put it shortly. My reason why I really, really dislike him and how I ended up in Detroit, long story short, after my third year in Columbus, I got bought out. And the next, so that's June 30th, agents like, hey, uh, you know, we might have to wait a while, you know, hopefully you get something. I'm like, okay, sounds good. So I'm prepared to wait, thinking it's going to be August or something like that. And th- literally the next morning, five minutes into free agency, agent calls me back. I'm literally like, what the hell does this guy want? I just talked to him yesterday. And I answer the phone and he's like, Hey, he's like, I got a contract offer for you. I'm like, really? I'm like, what is it? He's like one year, 1 million bucks, one way. That's his, it wasn't really about the money for me at that time. I, once you get bought out, if you're lucky, you might get one more chance after that it's over. And I really don't care who you are. And I knew that. So I needed to make this decision count. So how it ended up happening five minutes into free agency tells me one year, uh, 1 million bucks with Detroit. Immediately, I say, there's no way I'm going to Detroit. Mike Babcock wants to end my career. My agent, whom I didn't have early in my career, didn't know any of this. He goes, well, what do you mean? So I tell him quickly. I'm like, can you just put him off? And he's like, look, Ken Holland just told me you have 15 minutes to make up your mind. You're either 15 minutes. You're either in or out. After 15 minutes, the contract's gone. So I'm sitting there. I'm like, oh, my God. I'm like, okay. I'm like, no other team is even – this is five minutes into free agency. Like, nobody else is even thinking about calling me for maybe a month or something oh. like that. So I'm like, hey, I'm going to call you back. So I'm, I'm friends with Ken at this time. So I call Ken. I'm like, Ken, I'd love to play for you. I would love to play in Detroit. You know what I think of your head coach. I've been at your golf tournament ripping on him. Does he, he want me on your team or not? He goes, Ken goes, yeah. I go, do you believe him? He goes, yeah, I do this time. I go, are you sure? It's like, yes. I go, that's, uh, I love you, Ken, but give me, give, I need his phone number. I got to talk to him. So I call Babs, and this is why I don't like him. I just said, hey, Babs. And he's like, hey, Kami. I'm like, Jesus. I'm like, you know, don't call me Kami. I'm not your buddy, but I, did, I kept that to myself. Yeah. And I go, look, real simple. Do you want me on the hockey team or not? I know this is my last chance. Am I going to get an opportunity? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have no right-handed shots. You're going to get to play with Nick, blah, blah, blah. We need a physical presence. I'm like, seriously, Babs, like, this is it for me. I need to, I think I can still play a little bit, but I need to know I'm going to get an opportunity. I ripped you in the papers. Are, are you just having me end, end, your, end my career? He goes, no, I would never do that. I, we need you. Uh, I'd love to have you on the team, this and that. So anyway, hang up the phone. I got five minutes left. Call my agent. He's like, what do you think? I'm like, he's going to screw me. And he's like, well, what do you say? He's like, wow, I'll play with Nick. He's like, Mike. And then now I start thinking, Man, it would be nice to play with Nick Ledstrom. <laughs> Just go, I got the puck. Here you go, Nick. And I'm getting oh. 30 points. And maybe I'm signing <laughs> another long-term deal. I just, all I got to do is go, here you go. There you go, Nick. <laughs> so I had taken him at his word. I signed the contract and I was out from the, like, I knew it as soon as I got to training camp. 
maybe not as soon as I got there, but the season had started. I was scratched. The team wasn't doing it. It was just relentless scratches. He's blowing practices down when it's my turn to go. He's calling guys up from the minors to scratch me. I'm like, so that's why I hate Babs because he was just like, I, he had a chance, like, dude, just be honest. Like, you don't like me. You don't want me on the team. Like, that's totally fine. Like, give you an opportunity. Just tell me. Like, there's, why are you having me in to, to screw me over? So that's why I hate that. Yeah. Uh, Mike Commodore joins us. And you know what? Up in Detroit, yeah. yeah. Uh, hey, I get, but you did, uh, cause you're in Detroit and then you did sign, uh, well, then you eventually got to, to Tampa Bay, uh, at the end. Uh, how, you know, to, to end that season for you, Mike, like, were you mentally checked out at that point? How difficult was it for you? Or were you just like, oh my God, I will sprint to Tampa? I was ready to go. Like, I mean, yeah, that's a good question. I played a little bit. Babs let me play in January and I'm starting to get into it. Then he scratched me again for like 10 games. And, and Ken was just trying to do me a favor. He was like, man, I, I got to get this guy out of here. So he traded me to, to, to his buddy, Steve Eiserman, who I played for in the world championships. You know, Steve was happy to have me. You know, at least Steve was honest with me when he had me into Tampa. They traded for me and two very two young defensemen. And he's like, Mike, as long as we're like realistically kind of in the playoff hunt a little bit, you're going to play. But he's like, as soon as we aren't, I got to see these young guys. I'm like, yeah, that sounds good. Uh, you know, thank you for being honest with me. So that's, you know, I hung in there for 10 games and then we were kind of out of it. Um, yeah, I wouldn't say I was like mentally checked out. Like when I was in the lineup and I was working out, I was doing the extra stuff, but I will say like, I was probably getting there. Like the last, like the last year, year and a half of my, and look, I'm not the only one. I'm not, this, like I said earlier, things don't end, you know, as we all dream. I, I understand that, but yeah, I was, I was definitely getting towards what am I doing? Yeah. Uh, so, Mike, you'd mentioned in early August, you know, you'd heard what was going on. So, obviously, you got some people in Columbus. So, now that it's that it's it's occurred, how difficult is it? Like, you know, Boone Jenner, and I don't disagree that Boone Jenner, the the quote he had was probably accurate because I think Babcock, Wolfson, Sheep, closing. Of course, he'd be super nice to the face of the captain because he wants the captain to think he's Joe Nice guy, right? So, and I don't think he would tell the captain, "Hey, I'm really trying to intimidate our rookies." Ha ha, he wouldn't do that. So maybe no, Boone, I, like no. Boone Jenner, probably didn't know. Now, someone would say, "Well, he should know," and we can have a whole argument over that or not. But how do you think the players right. go from here? Now, is there like does Boone Jenner have to sit down and say, "Okay, guys, you know what"? I'm sorry. I should have asked you. My job as a captain is to know kind of how everybody's doing. I don't know if that's realistic or not. How do you think they move forward as a group now? Yeah, you know what? I think they're going to be, I guess, in two parts. One, you know, with the Boone thing, I don't want to speak for him, and I don't know exactly what happened there, but you're, I've gotten a little more information over the last, like, week or so. Like, what Babs was doing was to guys like, you know, the veterans and, and Yarmo and, and, you know, basically anybody he didn't think he could prey on, you know, his picture thing was, Hey, you know, do you have a picture? Could you maybe send it to me? I'm, I want to make a team collage for a team building exercise, which is totally fine. You yes. don't have to resign. This. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. hundred percent. But the problem was, is he was doing that with some guys. And then with kids at development camp, it was a completely I don't want to say his name, but he's a very highly touted prospect. First, the last name starts with an F and ends with an I. I mean, was over in his backyard, and he thought he thought he was going over there for lunch. Babs just grabs his phone, opens it up, puts it on airplay, and is scrolling through his pictures, then tells the kid to leave. 
So that's what was going on is, is like he said, Mike Bab, he's a predator and he's preying on people. He's trying to bully people that he knows he can get away with. Um, but you know what? Moving forward, actually, I, I think this is probably, uh, I think personally, I think other than, yeah, Babs knows hockey. I think it's a good thing for the Blue Jackets. As far as Boone, I think that's going to be fine. Like I said, I don't know exactly what he knew. If he knew all this was going on, like he might have maybe maybe some fens or fences to mend slightly with maybe some of the younger guys. Be like, hey, look, like I got put in a tough spot. I didn't know what to do. You know, my, I, I think those kids will be like, yeah, it's okay. You know, Babs is gone. So he never even made it to the ice service. So I think it's going to be all right. Uh, I think they're going to be fine. And speaking from somebody in the organization, the, like – the attitude around there is awesome, apparently. Like, they're fired up. They love the new guy. A couple of the people think the new guy actually should have got hired quite a while ago. Um, so I think the Blue Jackets are going to be fine. I think it's something you can rally around. Because right now, you know, the Blue Jackets have just spent, oh. you know, the last couple of weeks or whatever, like, what is going on there, this and that. And I think it's a good opportunity for those guys to come together and be better than they were last year. I'm not saying they're going to go win the Stanley Cup, but – you know, compete for a playoff spot, be better than last year. I think that would be a very sex- successful year for them. Kami, I just saw Jesse Pollock post yesterday. <clears throat> he went on a trip to University of North Dakota. Oh, he went into yeah. the dressing room, and he showed the dressing room, which is unbelievable. Now, I'm sure it's a little bit different than when you were there, but you went there for four years. You won a national championship. Were the accommodations state-of-the-art at the at the time, and what was it like? Part B of this question I know when I came into the NHL and like guys like Dave Manson were there, like Andy Moog, like I was like, man, these guys seem like 80 years old, like grizzled veterans. They, And you come in, not only Jim McKenzie, but your defense and Ken Danico, Scott Stevens are there. These guys are grizzled. They're the definition. Like how was it to go from one to the other immediately into the devil's dressing room? It must have been wild, was it? Oh, yeah, it was an experience. Uh, first part of the question, North Dakota. Uh, that rink was not there when I was there. I, the old rink, I thought, was – the new rink is beautiful. And, like, you saw the videos. Like, I couldn't believe it. And, and it, like, watching, watching the game there, you, like, that rink should be in Las Vegas. It shouldn't be in Grand <laughs> Forks, North Dakota. Like, leather seats. Like, it's unbelievable. And it's a great place to go watch a game. I will say, though, the old rink, it was way more old school. There was nothing like that. It was just a regular old rink. Oh. But, like, it was – like, visiting teams, when they come into North Dakota now – like, they can't wait to get there. Like, it's beautiful, massive rink. Like, it's not really that intimidating because people aren't right on top of you. Where, like, the old rink, it was 65, maybe 7,000 people right on top of you, students breathing down your neck. Like, the te- teams hated coming in there. Like, like we got to get out of here. I mean, we would, I mean, we had good teams when I was there, so it was a lot of fun. Um, and then going from there to New Jersey, yeah, I mean, it was – they had just won the Stanley Cup in 2000. So that was oh. back then, Lou Lamarillo, there was no collective bargaining against this training camp. Like, unless you were like, unless you were like a kind of a seasoned veteran, you were at camp August 1st. So like Scott Gomez was there. He just won the rookie of the year in a Stanley Cup. Colin White was there. He just won a Stanley Cup. And he'd be, a, I mean, that was like his fourth year pro, third or fourth year pro, I think. Um, those guys were at, at this camp. So meeting those guys was incredible. And then once you got to main camp, yeah, it's like, you know, Scott Stevens, Ken Danico, Brian Rafalski was just kind of getting going. He was unreal in the playoff. Colin White was a big deal. Like Scott Niedermeyer that year, like he oh, yeah. showed up. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. Like the decor <laughs> was a joke. Scott Niedermeyer showed up. 
Him and Jason Arnett were holding out. Scott Niedermeyer, I'll never forget this. So I'm at camp August 1st doing two-a-days. We're now towards the end of September. I'm in like the best shape I've ever been in. Like, I mean, I don't, this is the peak for me. And I've been skating. I'm out there longer. I'm, you know, I ended up being one of the last cuts. And Arnett and Niedermeyer uh, signed their contract. So they come in. It's like a couple days left in camp. And then the regular season is going to start. So these guys get on the ice for the first time, and I hadn't met them yet. And, but, I mean, it's I mean, Jason Arnott's a big deal, too. But Scott Niedermeyer, defenseman, I'm like, this guy's unreal. So they're like, well, we're going to skate these guys and make sure. So I'm a younger guy, so I got to skate and stay out late. So we do this skating, and it was so hard. Well, for me. So I'm going as hard as I can. I'm totally so – I'm, like, watching out of the corner of my eye. I'm like, Niedermeyer, like, this guy is flying around here. And I'm like – I don't, is this guy even trying? So he's flying around, no big deal. We get back into the locker room. I still hadn't met him yet, and I was on the other side of the locker room. We, they had those baby blue, like, Cooperall undershirts back then. And I'm sitting there, like I said, I am. It, it, I might as well have grabbed all my gear and jumped in the shower and stood in the shower for 10 minutes. I'm soaked. And I'm sitting there, and I look over. He's across the room. He comes in. He's like, hey, guys, you know, good to see you guys. And he takes his upper body gear off. And all we had was one little trickle of sweat. Just uh, just like, I mean, the slightest trickle. And I remember sitting there being like, uh, how am I supposed to compete with that? Like this guy, the game was so easy for him. He was so talented. It was insane. Oh, Scott Niedermeyer was an unbelievably talented oh, player. Like, what? Well, you know, so such a he gift. He could still play if he really wanted to. <laughs> oh, he oh, was a ridiculous. Like, he was one of those guys. Like, like when he skated, Mike, like, he he looked effortless. To be honest, like he was one of those really yeah, light guys on his on his feet. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he did, and like he toned it down. He had uh, we had him on our podcast uh, a while ago, and like he had to make some changes because he was. You know, New Jersey was playing like a more defensive style. And, you know, he was used to, you know, when Kamloops just gone. Um, but yeah, he was incredible. I mean, I, how incredible he is, like back then with Lou Lamarillo, like unless you were a star or a potential star, you started your career in the minors. Like there was none of this, oh, well, we're going to dress him and he can get things going here. You had to be a star. And the only two people that I can think of kind of from my time frame a little bit, that didn't play a game in the minors was Scott Niedermeyer and Scott Gomez. Other than that, everybody was in the minors. Call me. Always good to see you, man. Uh, great to catch up. We appreciate your time. And uh, one last Anytime. one. One last one for you. Mike Commodore, uh, 2007, had an unbelievable career year with the uh, Carolina Hurricanes, potting seven goals and, uh, and 29 points. Uh, oh, yeah. Double every year except one. So which defenseman? Do you see who's poised to have a crushing offensive season this year in the NHL? It's maybe unexpected. Who's the oh. Mike Commodore breakout point defender this year? God, I don't know if this is going to be off the top of my head. And I got to be honest, I have a little catching up to do, but off the top of my head and, and this, uh, the North Dakota stuff kind of comes up a little bit. And he's, I know he signed a big contract. So it's not like it's like totally under the radar, um, but that Jake Sanderson kid in Ottawa okay. is for real. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, I saw him play. I know it's college hockey and, and everything. I saw him play a few years ago when he was a freshman in North Dakota. And I was sitting there and having some beers and BSing and stuff. But I was watching the game, too. And I'm watching, and I'm just like, Jesus, you know, 
who's that? After like a period and a half, I'm like, I think he might've been, I can't remember number five or I don't remember what number he was, but I'm like, who is that? And they're like, Oh, a freshman, uh, Sanderson, Jeff Sanderson's kid. I'm like, Jesus, this, that guy is good. And I, I think, so he's maybe slightly under the radar. Hiring for your small business. If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. But I think he is going to be real good for a long time. Awesome stuff, Kami. We'll have to talk to you again soon, man. We appreciate it. Thanks, nice boys. Talking, good buddy. to see you. That is uh, yeah, Mike. Soon. Common or uh, former NHLer. And uh, always like Common because he's straight up and honest, not afraid to give his opinion. We'll come back uh, with five questions on The Gregor Show presented by PlayAlberta.ca live on Sports 1440. Jason Gregor, Terry Ryan, Connor Halley with you. Uh, we're a little bit late uh, because of, uh, hey, we want to keep back. Uh, sorry, uh, my Commodore on uh, a little bit longer it was great. So let's get to uh, five questions now brought to you by The Brick. Buy more, save more, give more. Portion of the proceeds are going to the local children's hospital. You can get 40% off mattresses, up to 30% off select sofas and sectionals, and you can help out the children's hospital. Check it out at the brick and thebrick.com. It's time for five questions on the Jason Greger Show. All right, guys, question number one for the Oilers. Three games into the preseason, five left. In your opinion, how many games would be the perfect amount for an NHL preseason? Um, six. I think you, you know what? It's fine. You want one or two, uh, where you've got some young guys, uh, you, you got to give them a taste. I think there's, there's some importance to that a little bit. Cause even though the, you know, half the lineup might be HL or junior, still going to be some NHL guys in there. And so it can be a thrill, but also it'll be a test. So I would say six. I think there's way too many games as it is. I'd cut them in half the whole way. Uh, so Let's say four back-to-back weekend weekend series. There you go. Question number two with Vasilevsky missing the first two months of the season with the back surgery. Just how much of an impact do you think that will have for the Lightning? Uh, okay. Uh, given their options being Jonas Johnson, is it, and Matt Tompkins? I don't know. I think I am worried. I answered this differently, and then I thought about it. 
I don't know, man. Last year, how did they make the playoffs? By like eight points? That's like four games. Vasilevsky's like a rock star. He's arguably, a lot of people would put him the best in the league, but again, they're aging. And these guys, I, I don't know, they're unproven. Is it a panic? No, but I'm one step away from panic. Well, you know what? Uh, something tells me that uh, they're going to be claiming a goalie off of waivers. There, there's lots of veteran goalies out there. And, uh, you know, guys who, who knows, uh, they might unearth the next Anton Forsberg. The goalie position is so voodoo. I think they will be able to find a guy who's currently a third stringer on some teams. And uh, he'll come in. Not, not that he's going to be great. At all. But remember, at this time last year, people were like, Aiden Hill, why? And then uh, Aiden Hill went on to win a Stanley Cup after uh, Brassois got injured. So I think Tampa has enough that um, they'll be okay. I I think this probably really lowers their chances of winning the division or getting home ice because it's only two months. But I I think they'll be able to, to keep their head above water because they got so many other great players. Question three, since we had Josh Palmer on the show today, uh, do you have a favorite Canadian in the NFL, past or present? TR? I'm going to go with uh, Luke Wilson. I know he played baseball. He's a great athlete all around. I know he played hard, played through pain, seemed to be a bit of a leader. I've seen him a lot in the media world. Seems like he has his head on his shoulders. And I really started watching the game kind of when he played. So I can't speak for many people before it, although – even though he's not Canadian, I did got caught up in the whole Flutie thing way back when it happened, and he represented Canada, so there, there's a close second for me. Man, there's a few good options here. Obviously, Chuba Hubbard locally. How, how can you not? We've had him in studio. We've had him on the show. He's an absolute beauty. But uh, I'm also going to go with the doctor, uh, Laurent, Laurent Duvernay-Tardif. Um, just, you know, what he did, the decisions he made, and he was a pretty good player for, you mm-hmm. know, kind of came out of nowhere, uh, won, a, won a ring, with uh, with yeah. Casey, so I will go with uh, the doctor. Question number four: When it comes to NHL personalities, we've had a couple of heavyweights on the station in the last two days. Commodore Biz Nasty yesterday morning with Carius. When you think of the great NHL personalities, who would be atop your list? For me, um, like the great personalities of all time, and I did have him on a podcast I hosted with two guys a few years ago. Eddie Shack, he was uh, yeah. he was a great guest. Like yeah. I, I've never met anybody like that. And everybody I talk to from that era, the first person that they they answer that question with is Eddie Shack. From today, I do a lot of alumni events, and Ally Afraidy and Andre Roy are really outgoing, humorous guys that love interacting with the fans, and they usually got something unique to say. Some good choices. Uh, I'm going to go Dave Tiger Williams on ice. Because on ice, he was an absolute entertainer, uh, no question. Um, personality off the ice? Um, man, I've worked with a lot of good ones, honestly. Um, guys who, you know, just funny for different reasons. Um, and I'm not saying this because he's on here, but TR is a really funny dude, man. Anybody who saw him at Kevin Lowe's roast, <laughs> he crushed it. Um, Struddy, we worked with for many years. I'd put his personality up against a lot. He's, he's a funny dude. He's, you know, he's average looking, but he's a really funny dude. Mm. Final question for you guys. Uh, on this day in 1995, Mary Tyler Moore's show New York News, which I have no idea what it is, was canceled after only eight episodes, but it did lead me to this question. Which TV show do you think was canceled way too soon? Okay, well, I'm going first, TR, because I'm t- I don't know if you've seen this show. You probably missed it. It was one of the greatest cinematic performances ever. The idea of the show was unbelievable. 
the characters that they developed in such a short period of time was unprecedented, has never been done. Can I take a guess at what you're going to say? Keep going. It's never been done since, unfortunately. So, yeah, okay, give me your guess. I'm going to guess Freaks and Geeks. Uh, No, no. Um, Maybe a little bit before that. It was Manimal. Manimal is one of the greatest. You probably, I'm seeing you look at your face. What? Manimal was unbelievable. It was a man, TR, the main character, and then he would turn into like a Black Panther or different. Wow. It was unbelievable. I used to watch it as a teenager on Friday nights. It was only lasted one year. It was still, think about it, in one year, Manimal is still that memorable to me. So completely cut short, way too early. Amazing show. Oh, wow. I, I was aware of it. I never saw one episode. No, I well, thought you, it was a great t- name. TR, you, my you, you missed it. You really missed out. Well, maybe. If, is there a way I can go down and go back and watch it? I will. I, I've looked for it. I've yet to find it. If anybody can show me where I can find an episode of Manimal, I would, I would love to show my son. For me, uh, you said cut too short, right? Not just one season? Yeah, just cut too Yeah, anyone yeah, that was in it too short. short. I think Arrested Development, they, re- they there was... They got it back on the go with Netflix, but I think at first when it came around, three seasons, all almost perfect, and I think it just it, it flew over a lot of people's heads. Not that I'm some brilliant, you know, film watcher. I just mean I really do. I I, I think you had to pay attention, watch it in order, and social media was coming, and I don't think a lot of people just really understood how good it was. Um, but number one for me would probably be uh, Deadwood. I didn't see the end of that coming. I really, really, really liked the show. And I was in on all levels. Uh, you know, Arrested Development's my favorite comedy, but everything else, you know, it's light fluff other than that. Deadwood is, I, I, I don't know, it could be my favorite show ever, and I didn't see the end coming. Uh, before I let go, TR, Cam Tate had sent me a note that I didn't read earlier after your Ryan's rant, and I forgot because we went to break, but I wanted to. Hey, tell TR, just be thankful I'm not the video review operator for reviewing goals. It would take a day. From uh, Cam- now, I don't know if you know if you've ever met Tater or not, but anyway, Tater's in a wheelchair. He's got cerebral palsy. He does the two-minute warning on our shows Mondays and Fridays. It's an absolute beauty, and uh, he's got a pretty good sense of humor. So just wanted you to know that it could be worse. He could have been the guy reviewing. <laughs> I'd like to, uh, yeah, I know, I know Tater, who you're talking about. <laughs> Tell him I, uh, I hope to meet him soon when I come out west. Yeah, well, yeah, we'll have, to, we'll have to plan to get you out here soon. I'll make it happen. All right, well, T.R., Buddy, get some sleep. It's a big day tomorrow. Big day of the launch. Season two of Shorzy. Very much looking forward to it. So uh, have fun. Pace yourself at the watch party. And we'll talk about it on Monday. Looking forward to it. Tales with TR tomorrow featuring Corey Hirsch. Stay oh, tuned. Oh, nice. Nice. There you go. Tales with TR. Check out his podcast. Let's get to uh, Connor Halley. It's Sports 1440 update brought to you by Edmonton Kubota. Stop in right now. You get great deals. 0% financing for 84 months on all compact BX tractors. You can shop in store at 156th Street or online at EdmontonKubota.com. Here's Connor Halley. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 